Welcome to episode two of the technical foul in which uh, some people told us that we were a little over the top with the all capitalized tech in the technical foul, uh, which I take you one. I think it's a brilliant name, which means that you named it <laughs> and and I'm responsible for the all capital letters, which is totally unsurprising because everyone knows I'm terrible at naming things. Well, when you did the capital, I, I laughed when I saw it. So, hey, let's let's give it a try. <laughs> but yeah, most people seem to think it's not necessary. And that's just kind of underscoring a point that doesn't matter. Right. So, so I, well, I'm Ben Thompson. I am the, uh, I, I write uh, Stratechery, uh, which is about um, tech technology, needless to say. And, and you are? And I'm Manton Reese. And I'm usually an iPhone app developer, but today, NBA analyst, uh, something like that. We we are we are two geeks geeking about about the NBA, which I think was a was a perfectly fine tagline um, it, from, from my perspective. So yeah. I have unfortunately not watched as many games as I would like this last week, but uh, I think that's okay because the for sure the dominant theme of the week. I mean, there've been a few competitive, more competitive games this week than last week, but for sure the dominant theme of this week has been the unbelievable roller coaster uh, in in the Western Conference and injuries. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, just when you think that the seeding kind of sorted itself out in the West, everything just just scramble everything. Yeah, I mean, I was so excited all. I mean, I was I was bummed uh, yesterday. So I was so excited all year, and we've been talking about this for a long time about how excited we were about the second round, particularly in the Western Conference. You know, it was shaping up to be Golden State versus versus the Clippers, and the Spurs versus the Thunder. And Spurs versus Thunder is is obviously on track, and everyone's healthy, and that's going to be a great series. Yeah, which I'm sure we will spend a lot of time talking about because I know we will both watch every minute of that series but the other side of the bracket uh is is uh is something else entirely to say the least yeah i mean curry first he's hurt a little bit out a couple games and now hurt a lot and so that was the it's strange that that seemed like the biggest news and now we have like even more news out of the clippers with chris paul his hand he's completely out Blake Griffin completely out. And that almost, those two things almost seem to matter more. I mean, not almost, they do matter more because those guys are not coming back. No, absolutely. And they matter more. They matter more for a few reasons. Uh, there was a really good or interesting analysis by, by Kevin Pelton. It's on ESPN insider. So, um, and he's pretty much the main guy that I, I pay for to get, but basically saying that the analyzing the matchup of golden state without Curry against, against the Clippers. And his takeaway was basically they they were actually relatively evenly matched. Um, if you look at their 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 net rating, net rating is basically on a pace adjusted uh, rate, like how much do they score in offense versus defense. And Golden State leads the league at like plus twelve. The Spurs are next at plus eleven, I think. And then the Clippers are around plus six. I, I believe go, I believe OKC and and Cleveland are both ahead of them, but they're about plus six. And it turns out Golden State is is about plus six without Curry. The, the problem is it's a really small sample size. And the, uh, but the, the takeaway is that they're, they're pretty close. Golden state has home court advantage, which, which could matter. And the takeaway, I think his conclusion was that the Clippers would probably be favored, but it would be closer than people think. But obviously, and then the question was, well, when's Curry going to come back? You know, it mattered with the Clippers go to, or was if it went to seven, he'd have a couple extra days. If it went to six, he wouldn't have as many days. And it was this, and it was like, well, the Clippers, this is their chance. They can get, they can get past the Warriors. They can get to the finals. And then within literally like six hours of that piece was posted, Paul's out. Griff, yeah, and now Griffith is out, and 
it's it's just incredible. Like the, the a complete and under 180 degree. I, mean, I don't know, I don't know if I've ever remembered. I mean, this was like more of a, a of a whiplash than DeAndre Jordan like switching back from from the Mavericks to the Clippers. I mean, it was <laughs> right just because the stakes were so massive. And I was thinking about that too, and that he's the only guy left on the team out of the out of those three out of their three best players. I know, isn't that crazy? Uh, it's it's not only crazy, and I mean, first of all, I feel bad for Chris Paul. I mean, when he left the game, he's obviously super frustrated. You know, kicking things. You know, going off to the locker room, just mad. Not anyone in particular just like because ah. it was such a dumb injury too it was like curry's both injuries were just freak injuries exactly and it's frustrating but of course one of their players has an injury that i mean it's healed now but i mean it wasn't a freak injury right i mean and, it, and it, punching someone in the face is kind of i feel like this is unrelated to this injury but i do feel like hey you know deandre jordan you know you were going to go to dallas and we went over there and we convinced you to come back and as a thank you for coming back i punched someone in the face and now we have all these other random injuries, and I'm just really curious to see what will happen next year uh, with these guys. And I just the team is just within a span of hours uh, has completely changed. Totally. So we let's talk about that in just a second. I think just the other thing to come back to is the, I mean the the thing if if both those guys for if Chris Paul is out, the, I think the Blazers are favored. If they're both out, they're for sure favored, and will probably almost certainly win. Uh, which means we should talk about Hacka Hacka Shack slash Hacka Jordan before well, we still have time. All right. <laughs> but the other thing is, I mean, the 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 Warriors, the, the Blazers were, I think, plus one or or plus point something for the season, which means basically the Warriors should probably the evidence suggests the Warriors should be able to handle them even without Curry. It, I mean, it will probably go to six or seven, but. Basically, they should be able to win a, a couple games before Curry can come back if he, if he's able to come back, and that just changes the dynamics there. I mean, yes, I thought it was unfair all the talk about Gold State being lucky last year because you know they avoided OKC and they avoided the Spurs. And the reason I thought it was unfair was because they were so dominant in the regular season, like. They, they were going to be the clear favorites, even if they did face those teams. But in this particular circumstance, it's really hard to come to any conclusion other than that the Warriors are really freaking lucky. Well, first of all, yeah, everything is is out in terms of the Clippers. I don't think they can beat the Blazers uh, without Chris Paul. You think about Chris Paul. Last week, we talked about that crazy series with San Antonio last year that went down to Game 7. Chris Paul made he won the game for them. He won the series for them, right? And without him... It's just going to be so difficult. Yeah, and the other thing with the with with Chris Paul is he's obviously a great offensive player, and the way he controls the game is incredible. But he's in a he's a fantastic defensive player, mm-hmm. and when it comes to, I mean, the, especially when you consider that the Blazers' offense is all about their two kind of dynamic guards, like you can't afford to lose a guard defender, particularly when one, it's your best guard defender, and it's the guy who is on the floor for 40 minutes a game. Like, they're just going to be, they're gonna, their offense is going to be bad, and their defense is going to be bad to, I mean, Curry, I think, is a better defender than he gets credit for, but in some respects, Curry is the league MVP, but the Clipper, but the Warriors could afford to lose Curry, at least against inferior competition, much more than the, the Clippers could afford to lose Paul. Yeah, and when CJ or Lillard are shooting and they they have open shots and and have good looks at the basket. I mean, they're great shooters. I remember last year, last season, 
uh, went down to San Antonio. My daughter was playing um, basketball in freshman year of high school, and the team got to go early to see a game. It was the Blazers. Aldridge was there, but they were down there. And we were sitting back, you know, kind of behind the Blazers, but bench watching them warm up early before the game started. And I remember watching Lillard just shoot three after three after three and make them. But in some of these games in the playoffs, like he's contested, he's these hard shots. He's taking all these really difficult shots and he can make those sometimes, but you know, he's like twisted in the corner and like fading away. And like, he sometimes makes those, but get him open, have a good look to the basket and percentage goes way up. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, what, what now for the Clippers? I mean, I think it's, it's, it's pretty obvious that they made a big mistake, arguably, in not trading Griffin at the trade deadline this year. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, well, let's start there. I mean, do you think they can bring? Can they bring this team back? I don't know. It's a little weird, especially because the team almost fell apart and they kind of salvaged it at the last minute with DeAndre Jordan going to Dallas. I don't know. I don't know what happens. They, they, it's like they had everything together and it just completely fell apart at the end. Well, here, here's the question. I think, and this is the core question for them to think about is, uh, if you could only have one of, of Chris Paul or Blake Griffin, which one would you choose? I would choose Chris Paul. Yeah. And what's it, I think I would too. And normally you wouldn't think that because I mean, Chris Paul is older. Mm-hmm. He has his own industry injury history, Yeah, but Griffin is the problem is Griffin is younger, but he also has a increasingly d- concerning injury history. And two, he relies so much more on his athleticism than than Chris Paul does. I mean, Chris Paul, you can see Chris Paul, you know, kind of over time becoming more of a Jason Kidd type character. Like even like he'll still dominate the ball for the next, you know, three, four, five years. But, you know, his shots can only get better. He's going to keep all his crafty veteran tricks, which he was arguably <laughs> engaging in when he broke his hand. Oh, <laughs> well, it's got to be said. And, and, well, actually, what's even funnier is someone said on Twitter that James Harden has it all figured out because Curry hurt himself by hustling back on D and Chris Paul hurt himself by trying to help on a driver and strip the ball. And, and, and had they taken the hard approach to just not playing defense at all they would both be fine <laughs> yeah no i think i don't i don't really know what that team looks like without chris paul maybe there's something there but i just it's hard for me right now to imagine him not being part of that team yeah and i think the deandre jordan part plays a part too i mean deandre jordan and chris paul together is a beautiful thing i mean yeah. the way the way they run the pick i mean because deandre jordan is the perfect pick and roll guy i mean that that is his one dominant skill on offense i mean he he, he diving to the rim is such a emergency for the defense that it it springs guys open all over the place. And Griffin and Jordan together is not the ideal lineup, I don't think. I mean, because they're both interior guys. Griffin is not a rim defender the, the, the way Jordan is. And so I think the fact that Jordan is there, I, I, in a vacuum, I would take, I think, Paul over Griffin, even though he's older. But given the fact that Jordan is there, th- I think that doubles down on I would rather have Paul than, than have Griffin. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting. To, so they play again tonight, game five. Yeah, we should be clear. We're recording this, we're recording this on what is a third or Wednesday morning in the U.S. So yeah. uh, we'll see when we get this out. But, but tonight there's actually a whole slate of games. Yeah. So it'll... It'll be interesting to see can I mean I and I think that the Blazers need to take advantage of the fact that the kind of before the Clippers have time to adjust and you know come in and and take a game uh, in Los Angeles so that they'll be up and you know and close it out in Portland yeah and I think that's going to be interesting to watch is like without Chris Paul there does how does DeAndre Jordan play 
you know, is he getting the ball? Is he getting it? Well, we'll just see. The thing with DeAndre Jordan is he obviously has one big problem. That is you can, you can foul him. Yes. And last game he airballed. Did you see him oh, airball two free throws? Yeah. On the a couple trip? games ago, he did the same thing. It was like, I think it was the very beginning of the game. Even I think it was like no one had scored yet. And he's, at the line shooting and just hits nothing. Maybe one of the core reasons, and I didn't tell you this before, why I wanted to start this podcast was so I could rant about the <laughs> this rule. <laughs> All right. So you think it should be changed? It should absolutely 100% without it out be changed, and I am flabbergasted at anyone that thinks otherwise. Oh, I fortunately, think otherwise. You do, fortunately, you do think otherwise, <laughs> well, so I mean, we can have a good debate. I, I just, I, I can't. So you believe we should reward these players that can't shoot like basic, I mean, basket shooting is like a basic part of basketball. They're not. No. Okay. So th- I've I have a, I have a multi point response. Right. Right. Well, I have other points, but you start first. <laughs> All right. So uh, let me start with 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 the big picture point. Why 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 I object, and then I will specifically object to your point in, in a moment. The big picture reason why I object to this rule, and, and I'll even leave it aside because Jeff Van Gundy, it's terrible to watch. It's bad for the fans. That actually is the biggest reason. It makes the game suck. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, these are these are grown men playing sports for our enjoyment. And if something is happening in the game that makes it really crappy to watch, then it should probably be changed. I agree with that. But beyond that, I, the biggest point for me is it is fundamentally against the spirit of the rule. And what I mean is the entire point of having foul shots is to penalize the defense. And what this does is pervert the intention of the rule to make it a reward for the defense. And, and to me, that says the implementation of the rule is problematic. Like foul shots were not put in place to help the defense. They were put in place to penalize them. And, and I have a problem if there is a loophole that basically lets a rule be used for the exact opposite purpose in which it was intended. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's true. And I mean, it's compelling to think that because it's not in the spirit that it should be changed. But at the same time, Oh, God, it's so frustrating that we're changing the rule for these players who should be able to shoot better. And the, the hilarious well, thing is like, the I mean, you talk about hack-a-shack is usually what we call this thing. Compared to some of the current players, like Shaq could shoot way better. Like, I mean, he was only like he 50% wasn't that bad. or something, but like <laughs> right. Andre Drummond uh, is like 35% 30%? or yeah. something. It's ridiculous. Okay, granted that that is true. And my response to that is there are a huge number of skills that are pertinent to basketball that lots of players can't do, right? Right. Uh, there are lots of players that can't shoot three-pointers. That doesn't mean that we they should – we're not rewarding them by – forcing. like should we, should we implement a rule where a team can somehow force – you know, DeAndre Jordan to take a three pointer. Right. Of course not. Yeah. Like that's a great point. And it's like, I can't dunk the basketball, but uh, although I, I try to sometimes in front of my kids and they find it funny. Right. Exactly. Imagine like you're not allowed to play unless you dunk once a game. <laughs> right. right. And now yeah, they shouldn't lower the, the hoop just for me. But I mean, that's a, that's a fair point because it is something that you're forcing a player to do. But on the other hand, I mean, basketball is uh, it's fun in a lot of ways because players need to be able to play offense and defense. Uh, it's not like you switch everybody out after someone shoots the ball, like you did in football or something. You know, it's like I'm worried a little that if it, if you can just give a pass to these players, like you don't have to shoot from more than two feet away from the basket. Uh, already, certain players are specialists at certain things, and that's fine. But you, you almost 
turn it into something where some players only play defense or they only dunk the ball or that. I don't know. I just feel like shooting is a fundamental part of basketball. You should be able to shoot the ball. Well, I mean, I, I think they'll be penalized in other ways, though. I mean, the truth is like, so another guy on the Lakers is uh, is Luke Mamba Butte, which I'm, I, I probably killed kill the pronunciation, but I'm familiar with him because he was on the Bucks, And he is a phenomenal defender and a total zero on the offensive end. And the reality is, especially in today's NBA, it's really problematic to play him because it's really difficult to have a functional offense if you have a wing player that cannot shoot. And so the reality is, is the Clippers play him more than they should because uh, Doc Rivers, the GM, is not very good at his job and they don't have enough wing players. But the but the fact is, like, they are punished by playing him by having a worse offense. And and if teams want to make that make that choice, that's fine. Again, the problem with this is one, just it ruins the game. Two, the the violation of the spirit of the rules, and and three, the other thing that I guess is frustrating about it is it seems to me there's a there's a pretty easy fix here, which is give the player just every when the team gets the option of taking the ball out of bounds. Like they, they can elect to take the bonus or they can elect not to. Okay. So they don't shoot and get the ball back, which is what happens with two minutes left. Uh, but they actually right. just don't shoot at all. They just get the ball. Exactly. That That's what I would do. And I think that, that, that takes hmm. away. And the reason I like that is, I mean, cause, cause the, the majority of the time you want to take it, right? If you're what's interesting about the hacker is I actually think it's, Oh, some coaches use it too much because so in general, if just as a, at a very simple level, if you shoot over 50%, then you don't want to do hack up because averaging more than a point per possession is generally efficient offense. So if he's making one out of two every single time, then it's usually worth it. Obviously someone like Drummond or Jordan where they're, they're way they're under that, then it, it makes sense to follow them all the time. Mm -hmm. But so, so one in general, I think when you're hacking like an Andrew Bogut type, uh, it's probably counterproductive Two, uh, when you let one team shoot free, free throws, you have to off, you have to defensive rebound. And particularly with some of these bad free throw shooters, the, the, they're so bad that it's actually harder to rebound the ball. And so you have to calculate that into like the expected points of, of this tactic. But then three, when they shoot a def- when they shoot a free throw, they get to set their defense, right. and it actually becomes harder to score because it's much easier to score in a transition situation off off a long rebound or or, or off a turnover than it is to score against a set defense. So I actually tend to think that I think it's actually overused. But the fact at the end of the day, it's being used way too much as it is. Um, and and yes, I I detest it. I deplore it. <laughs> I. And and you could make an argument before there's only a couple players. Why would we change the rule just for DeAndre Jordan or Andre Drummond? But this year it was out of control. Yeah. I think like Dwight Howard uh, people have been tr- yeah. Well, no, there was like something like thirty players or thirty five players that were intentionally fouled this year. It was ridiculous. And even on great teams, like you said, Golden State. Um, you know, there's it seems like there's fewer and fewer teams that have no bad free throw shooters. One thing I like about your your proposed rule change about just inbounding though is it does preserve one strategy with the hack-a-shack and that, like we saw this last year a lot, especially with older players, Pop would go to the hack-a-shack kind of strategy just to have Tim Duncan kind of resting. You know, it's like it stops the game. You know, you don't have to go on the bench and rest. It's just like you you can just kind of stand there and you get an extra, you know, couple minutes uh, to catch your breath or whatever. And that actually might still be the case if you're inbounding the ball because it, it's, it's not a timeout, but 
stops the game. You know, you got to go to the sidelines, you know, and so that that's kind of interesting. And that part of the strategy may still be there. Well, that's the other thing, too, is is one if you really want to do hacka effectively. So if Portland wants to do do hack against DeAndre, actually, the optimal way to do it is to put in your players that are offensive only, like they're terrible defenders, but they're really good at offense, or you can put in a super small lineup. Like the, the, the issue with small lineups is they tend to be good on offense, but they're terrible on, you know, they, they're bad on defense and, and defensive rebounding, especially, but you can put in an offensive first rebound because you're already committed to not playing defense. You're just going to hack. And, and if, and if you have the risk of having to play defense with that lineup, as you would, if the options take the ball out of bounds and what they should probably do too, to, maybe this is making it more complicated, but if you take the ball out of bounds, maybe you're not allowed to substitute so that you hmm. can't. Yeah. Um, well, that's actually, let's get to, cause you mentioned at the beginning, like it makes the game terrible. And one of the reasons is just the game stops basically uh, when this happens and I'm, I wonder if there's things they could do just to speed up the game when this is happening, like maybe not allow substitutions or something after the first free throw or something. I don't know. I wonder if there's anything else they can do to kind of get the game sped up a little bit if this does happen without a drastic nah, change. Just, nah, just, 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 no, just, just kill it. Right. I, I, well, I, the other thing, I mean, do you enjoy – how do you feel about the NBA today versus the NBA circa 2002? Yeah, I mean – I mean, I agree with you that it violates the spirit of the, the rule. I agree that's boring to watch. Well, what but, I mean is, is they, they they really changed the game by changing the rules, yeah. right? By outlawing hand checking. But the thing is, this isn't a new strategy either. I mean, the people have been doing this for a long time. It's worse now, but they've always done it. And the, the whole end of the game, you know, last two minute thing, that was an attempt to solve this problem, right? And it was funny. I was looking back at the stats. And so Wilt Chamberlain was a bad free throw shooter. And yes. uh, obviously, I never really watched any of those games before my time. But I was actually curious that when that 100-point game he had, uh, and I looked it up, he shot like 85% or something during that game, oh, which I thought was interesting. It's like every once in a while, you know, a player steps up and like they shoot great. And Shaq has done that, you know, in a few games. And I'm sure DeAndre Jordan has a couple games where he shot great. But I thought that was interesting because I was thinking like, how did he get to hundred points if he can't make his free throws? No, he was just on. Yeah. He had to have, he had to have just been on. Yeah. That, 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 that is interesting. You know, and certainly you, and I, I understand the point. It, like, it feels like, it feels like you're rewarding, DeAndre Jordan, um, you, you know, is probably the, the preeminent example right now in the league and yeah. it's pertinent since we're talking about the Clippers. But again, I just have a philosophical problem because the problem is the entire point of a foul shot is to penalize the defense. Right. And it seems so perverse to to object to changing this rule in that you're rewarding the offense. So like mm -hmm. the entire point of a foul shot is to reward the yeah. offense. Yeah. No, you're right. And I, your proposed rule change, I didn't know you were going to say that. I thought you were going to say just across the board, you get your shots and you get the ball, which I think would be really yeah, bad. I know. It, the other thing I like about the about my proposed rule change is foul shots suck in general. They just slow down the game. Like it, it, it they take forever. Yeah. I mean, because I watch, I watch a lot of games uh, delayed. So I, I, because I, I watch, I watch everything on the, I have the uh, NBA streaming, mm -hmm. whatever. They need to like skip foul shots button on your remote. No, no, there's a plus 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And especially in the playoffs, you can often press that button twice during a free throw sequence. Like that's how, <laughs> especially these bad shooters, they take so long. I they know. They have such bad form, but they take so long anyway <laughs> to get the shot up. So we've, we've talked about solutions or, or not, but, 
I'm curious. Let's go. Let's go back. Let's let's say there's going to be a change. Do you do it only for fouls away from the ball? I assume yes, right? Yeah. No, you can. I mean, if Jordan touches the ball, hack away. Yeah. But there's so here's another weird thing that's been happening is that fouling someone going for a rebound on a free throw. Have you seen this? Like where people like literally oh, like I know. Jump like jumping on their on back. The player. What, what about that? Because that technically both players are going for the ball, so it should it shouldn't be an, like an away from the ball type of foul. Do you allow yeah, that? Cause that's crazy. It's interesting. It, what this makes me think of is the, um, the, what, what's, what's the rule or what's what's it called? Where, uh, if, if you have a fast break and you follow someone from behind and all they do clear path, clear path, the clear yeah. path fall. And I really dislike the clear path falls as currently implemented because it goes to replay every time. And there's this, yeah, it's so hard to tell. It's happens. like, yeah, it's hard to tell. Is there a defender there or not? And I, this is something where I would like to see more judgment given to the referees. Mm-hmm. Like what, what, like I think it's mo- it, it, 93% of the time. It's super obvious if it's a clear path or not, whether or not like uh, technically it is like you can see if it's probably going to be a breakaway dunk, but for a foul. Right. Mm-hmm. And leave it to the, leave it to the refs. Get re- the replay is it's so slow and it's so it kills, it kills the game that I would rather, uh, leave that to the refs, and I would do the same thing for the over the back thing. Like if it's just stupid, mm-hmm. then then let them let let them handle it. And and in this case, I would give more leeway to the refs. I mean, I know the NBA refs get a bad rap, and obviously the Tim Donnie the scandal w- was really was a black mark for the league. But the hacker with the replay and the clear path stuff, it it drags down just the viewing experience so terribly that I would rather I would rather leave that up to the rest. Yeah. Unfortunately the trend is kind of the opposite, right? I mean this season I know more and more things are going to review. And yeah, I agree with you. I'm I'm fine letting the refs on the floor handle it. They're not going to get everything right. That's okay. And if they have to do review, like why don't they they should have a dedicated review official or the people in Secaucus or whatever. Let them make the call. Like, just to let, have them radio into the ref. This is what the call is, and let's not dwell on it. Like, I would rather, I would rather have the right call ninety seven percent of the time and it take ten seconds than have the right call ninety nine percent of the time and it take like three minutes, hmm. like it does currently. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll. S- I say that until my team gets screwed because right. they, <laughs> yeah, exactly. they messed it up. <laughs> When the call doesn't go your way, change your. It's, change easy, your it's, it's easy for me to say with the bucks in the lottery. It doesn't really matter to me. So, <laughs> so just kind of wrapping this up, would you change the last two minute rule to just again be this choice of foul shots or the ball out, or would there still be an exception to the end of the game? I think so, and this is actually where it gets pretty interesting, right? Because the, there there's a long and story tradition of fouling in, in, at the end of the game to to force free throws. Um, so you can get the ball back. Yeah. Uh, and I personally, and I'm kind of a, a zealot on this, I would say, I would keep it all the way through the game. Like, again, it I, I, it bothers me that fouls can be an advantage for the fouler. Like, to me, it's a perversion of the rules. And if you think about it, fouling at the end of the game is is a manifestation of this. And the end of games takes so long as it is. Yeah. Uh, that said, I... So that's what I would do. But I bet the way they actually implement it will be to ensure at the end of the game they shoot free throws just to just to preserve the chance at drama. Yeah, that would be a major change if that didn't happen. I mean, the other thing, though, with end of the game, a lot of times you are going for the steal. And if you foul, you know, you're really going for it. And if you foul, that's just that's OK, because you need a foul anyway, because 
the shot clock is not going to be forgiving um, to you at the end right. of the game. But you are going for the ball, so it doesn't really apply quite as much. Yeah, and so I think a reasonable one that'd be more likely to pass would be would be for the whole game. You have the choice of free throws or the shot, but in the last two minutes of the fourth quarter, it's free throws regardless. And but it, and it has to be on the ball. I mean, that's and it's already the case that it has to be on the ball. Like you can't foul off the ball again, except for the the rebounding, the yeah. free throw rebounding thing that you talked about. Um, and that's fine. I I'd, I'd, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, you almost have me convinced. It's still frustrating though because I I just don't think it's acceptable for someone to be in the NBA and uh, shoot thirty five percent. All right, fine. It just well, uh, it shouldn't happen. No like you should. I don't know how the players get to this point because I really believe everyone, whether you're, you know, over seven feet tall, like whatever, whatever, you should be able to learn how to shoot free throws. And well, see, I'm not sure though. I mean, yeah. there's so many incentives for them to learn this and to get it right. Like, and and we've seen like there is a certain type, this you know, this big athletic guy with big hands and. And they're basically throwing the equivalent of like a tennis ball, and <laughs> yeah. you know, I like that. Like, I can imagine that it just really is physically prohibitive for them to have the dexterity to do that. Yeah, from, I don't. I don't buy that. Feet. I mean, I don't know for sure, but there's so many big players that that can shoot. I mean, look at Boban Marjanovic on the Spurs. They just got him this year. He's right, look at his three. athleticism. He but, has great form. He makes all his free throws, and Huge hands, tall guy. I, I almost wonder if, again, we don't know for sure, but like a lot of these big players, they probably had it kind of easy when they were growing up playing basketball. That's and true. They, they could easily get to the basket. They could dunk at a you know, fairly early age compared to most people. Like they could, they could, you know, they just played really well and they were, they were bigger than other people. And I almost wonder if they just never needed to shoot from further out. They never had to, so they never learned to. And it's just, I don't know, it's frustrating. I feel like, you know, if, if we change the rule and you, you know, you've almost convinced me, uh, especially with the inbounding uh, twist on it. Cause I, I can kind of go along with that, but I just feel like if we change it, then like we've just given up, like there's going to be more and more players that can only shoot 35% free throws, which is just strange. Well, I mean, but the, again, it, there's, that's still a problem because you can still foul them whenever they touch the ball. Yeah. Ball, and if you have a guy on the floor that you can't even pass the ball to, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard to play him. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. I, again, it, it all, I guess I'll fall back to the Jeff Van Gundy complaint. Like it, it sucks for the fans. It sucks to watch. It's yeah. it's it slows down the game. Um, actually, as long as we're on the topic, and I sp- I'm springing this on you, we didn't mention we didn't talk about this before. <laughs> what other thing I would love to see is uh, changing the the timeout rule. So in, I believe in FIBA, you can only call a timeout on a dead ball. Okay. Which, which, Weird. uh, they also have different you know, intentional fouling rules too, by the way. They do. Yeah. They do. They have different goaltending rules. Um, most of which I think are better. Uh, but I, I mean the, the end of game, like timeout situation is a little out of control. Huh? Well, see, I, well, I don't know about that. I mean, that's a, being yeah, able I to call a timeout tension. is important, but I would say, how about let's make the timeouts actually as long as they're supposed to be? Yeah, because like someone go. calls a twenty-second timeout, it's like three minutes later and ten commercials later, like we get back to the game. You know, it's like these timeouts are—they seem way longer than they're supposed to be. Yeah, this is the other advantage of watching games later, uh, <laughs> yeah. because then there's all the timeouts are taken out in the in the in the right. in the feed. There's no way those twenty-second timeouts are twenty seconds. There's, just, there's no way. I don't know who's keeping track of that. It's true. Well, well, the good thing, uh, and I, this feels morbid to say it, but the good thing uh, about the uh, about the the Clipper injuries is that 
DeAndre Jordan will be out of the playoffs, and which is I, I actually I like him. I enjoy watching him, but we will have we will not have Hacka Hacka DeAndre. So yeah. So here's so yeah. So I mean the Clippers. So you we would I think we're both on board. We would rather keep Paul than than Griffin. The only problem is I mean this is the worst possible time to trade Griffin. I mean he's he has one year left in his contract. I think he's he's injured. He has this terrible reputation. Like I don't even know if they can get anything for. Hmm. Like what are they going to get for him at this point? Yeah, I don't know. That'll be fun to watch. Maybe we'll have some more drama in the off season like we had last year. Yeah, the Clippers are going to be the Clippers are going to be very very interesting to see to see what they do. Yeah, and then meanwhile, I mean, yeah, we still have a couple games, so can't completely count them out. But it looks like the Blazers are in good shape. And who would have thought? I mean, I love you look at the Blazers from the beginning of the year. They lost four of their five starters. It's amazing. No one thought they'd even make the playoffs. And then, you know, here we are. They're playing hard. They're starting to gel together as a team. And some players are stepping up. And they made the playoffs. And then they crept up to, you know, fifth place. And now probably going to make it to the second round. No, it, it's great. It's, it, it's a great story. Um, and, and it's been – there's not much else to say. It's a great story. I think – I don't give them much chance against the Warriors if Curry plays. Obviously, they'll have – if they if they beat the Warriors because Curry's out and then they make it the finals, that would be insane. Yeah, and it would also suck for for us as fans because they they'll get demolished by either OKC or San Antonio. But no, it's a great story and and kudos to them. So how much? So have you watched? So you you have to give us the report on the San Antonio Memphis series. I did not watch a single minute of this. No, I did. That's not true. <laughs> I watched like ten minutes of like Game Three, I think, uh, where where Memphis was kept it relatively close. Yeah, um, that was a good. That was probably the best game out of the four. And I mean, you can't really tell by the ending score of the whole series. It looked like the Spurs dominated, and they they kind of did. But the third game was good. It just yeah, the Memphis just kind of ran out of gas at the end. And game three was it was interesting too because like I mean, some of the Spurs shot terribly. You know, like Tony Parker had two points for the whole game. Patty Mills I think had two points for the whole game too. But obviously Kawhi was great, and you know they they took care of it. It was it was fun fun game. Yeah, I mean, how are you feeling about your point guard position? I mean, that's that's your that's the weak weak spot potentially against against the Warriors in particular. Against like, against OKC too, frankly. Yeah, I'm a little worried about OKC. I mean, I have been the whole year. I kind of mentioned that last week. I think it's going to be a really great series. Uh, actually, going to be in San Antonio Sunday for something else, and I was like almost trying to figure out could I go to Game One the night before, but. Uh, we have family stuff, so I can't make it. But I'm going to try to maybe go to one of those games, like Game 5. I think that series will go to at least six or seven games. Uh, I don't think it's going to be easy for either team. Oh, for sure. I mean, and they've had so many just phenomenal matchups over, over you know, over over the last few years. I mean, that that year that that OKC beat them and went to the finals, I mean, so San Antonio was, they had what, won what, like 22 straight or something like that? Hmm. Looked completely unstoppable. And, like, the way that... OKC came back to beat them was something else. And then the next year, or was it two years later, when OKC took them to seven and Ibaka got hurt, I think, which really which really hurt them. And and the Spurs beat them and won the title. No, they've I mean they've had some amazing series. Yeah. And the thing is gonna be like stopping Westbrook. And like he's really he's had kind of an amazing year. Not kind of, but like he's really improved as a player. Like I used to think of him as just like drive crazy to the basket full force and just kind of see what happens. But, you know, if you look at how many triple doubles he's had, like, what does that mean? Well, his assists are way up, right? 
like literally right. from like, I don't know, five or six assist a game, seven maybe to like over 10, like uh, leading the league. I think he's second only to Rondo this year in assists. And so other people are getting the ball. And I, I don't know, I think the key is really kind of stopping him a little bit and then, I don't know, forcing Durant to make 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 tougher shots. Um, I think it's doable, but they're, they're a really good team this year. Yeah, that's gonna that that's gonna be a great series. And the other thing, yeah, that is interesting about this series is I think OKC OKC is is kind of a weird team this year because they have all these big guys, and a lot of their big guys are really offensive first. I mean, Cantor's obviously the, the the obvious example, but I wonder how much San Antonio can punish them on on the other end because they have a bucket of match against Aldridge, but I mean, Duncan isn't the player he once was to. Mm-hmm to kind of take on the secondary big. And the other thing, too, is, I mean, because OKC, when OKC matched up against a team like Golden State, for example, I actually think they match up very relatively well against Golden State because I think the way to beat Golden State's defense is one-on-one, and OKC has two of the best one-on-one players in the league. But one thing that's interesting is OKC has such big man depth. When the Warriors go small, they have they have a hard time matching up because OKC lacks wings. Mm-hmm. But because San Antonio also likes to go big, in some respects that plays into OKC's strengths, and it's kind of strength against strength, and, and, and that's interesting. Yeah, it's it's going to be good. I, Aldridge has to be great. Yeah, maybe not yeah, every single so. game, but definitely the home games, he has to be great. Right, because Westbrook's going to dominate the point guard matchup. So you, where are you? And if Leonard, ideally Leonard and Durant cancel each other out, mm-hmm. you, I think that'd be a victory for for San Antonio. Yeah. Um, I mean, Leonard's a great player. I mean, just to be, and he's the one guy who can really, uh, I think, affect Durant. Yeah. But yeah, Aldridge needs to needs to counteract Westbrook. Uh, yeah, and Durant has off shooting nights. You know, he had one last week. Um, I think I guess it was probably the game. Oh, it was that, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that that could happen again. And yeah, if Aldridge has solid games, definitely every home game he's solid. Danny Green's going to be key because mm-hmm. the 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 OKC's off guard and their other the, the, that's always been the weak spot on their team is their other wing. Mm-hmm. And if Danny Green can can match up on Westbrook probably on on defense and then not you know be at least semi-effective on offense, that could be another big win for, for, for you guys. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's, I think it's going to be tough, but I, th- I think it's going to be a great series. For sure. It's the series of the second round, I think, w- w- without question. Yep. Um, I, I think the Warriors are, w- will have no problem against the Rockets. I expect them to win game five. At, it's at home. Uh, I mean, the, the way it was when Curry got hurt, and, and at halftime, and he's in tears, and it's very dramatic. And again, like you gotta love the guy. Draymond, he gets hurt. He goes back to the locker room. Like the season looks in jeopardy. And what happens? Draymond Green comes out and cans three threes in a row. Right. Like I mean, the guy is such a gamer. It was it was awesome. And then they just they just run the Rockets out of the building. Yeah, that is interesting. And and you mentioned earlier we were joking about. Harden not like playing defense, and I th- think it was that game. He actually played great defense the first half. Yeah, Harden was great. Yeah. That whole, he, like, he, he played the, the entire game. first half. He had like seven steals. Like he was really going for it. Like he was trying to win the game, but then yeah, the second half happened. Oh, yeah. Did we? I, I don't remember if we talked about this last week about Harden's game winner and the fact that no, it like half the guys on the bench are like, oh yeah, damn it, now I have to change my plane ticket. <laughs> yeah, and then since we <laughs> recorded. Like uh, the league came out and said, like it shouldn't have counted, right? That it was an offensive foul. 
They kind of yeah, pushed off. I mean, whatever, whatever. I mean, th- th- it happens all the time. That, that was so weird to me, though. It's like, why say that? I mean, it seemed okay at the time. And like, why come out? I know they're trying to be transparent and, you know, like admit their mistakes and that kind of thing. But like, why say that the game winner shouldn't have counted? Right. I mean, do we want to do we want do we want an end of game report on Jordan's shot against Utah saying that he pushed off on on on, on Byron? What's his name? Uh, no, of course not. We wanted to revel in the shot and pretend like the push off didn't happen. <laughs> well, it's just there's a lot of you know. I mean, I I don't even remember they they re- Byron Russell. That's the name. They 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 said there were a few missed calls, but like the fact that the one that only the only one that everyone remembers is like the game winning shot just seems like, I don't know. I, don't, I, don't I mean, obviously it mattered because I mean, if the Warriors win, you have to wonder, does Curry play the next game? Mm-hmm, you know, exactly. does he get hurt? Like uh, there's all, it's definitely a sort of butterfly effect. Um, yeah. The other, the other thing that's curious, I mean, it Curry's injury seemed like a freak injury. The, the one thing that does give you pause is, I mean, Curry is not a traditional elite athlete. Like he doesn't like, I mean, he can barely dunk and, and that sort of thing. But his reaction and hand-eye coordination and just like, the speed with which he does things is otherworldly. Yeah. And he's kind of the one player you could see slipping on a wet spot and being concerned about his ankle and planting his his foot wrong to preserve his ankle and thus twisting his knee. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's it's probably it probably didn't happen, and who knows? And what ifs are are boring, but ugh, you, you, man, it, it, that was definitely a bummer. Yeah. Well, the fact is, like, if he had sat that game out, like, it wouldn't have happened. And he really had a bad game anyway, even before that. Like, yeah. he wasn't shooting well the first half. He wasn't really getting into rhythm and getting. I don't know. It's like it's frustrating. Too bad he didn't just sit out. It was. It was. So that was that. That's the West. Um, the East. Uh, any any additional observations on Cavs Pistons? Let's see. Where is that game? I haven't even. Talked. No, they finished. They they swept them for Yeah, they're done. Detroit had put a good push on the last game, but yeah, no. I mean, and I thought Cleveland was pretty impressive. I mean, they they took care of business. Um, did what needed to be done. Uh, probably the. I mean, the other three series have all gotten interesting, uh, much more interesting than they appeared when we talked last time. Yeah. Uh, Raptors Pacers. Did you did you see that comeback this morning or last night? I should say. Wait, say that again. Did I see which? I, I was using my time. I said this morning. Oh. <laughs> um, but I guess it was it was last night. I saw some of those games, and uh, that that's a fun series so far. And I liked that some players were stepping up. When I mean, like. Paul George had a great, uh, I can't remember if it was the first or second game, had a great game. I think it was the third game. He didn't have such a great game. And like George Hill, who we mentioned last week, had been on the Spurs and they traded when Indiana drafted uh, Kawhi Leonard, stepped up and had a great game. Like his first half, he's like made all his shots, like five for five, couple from three, um, three point range. And so eh, that's a good series. It is. And I think. It's kind of a bummer. I, it seems pretty clear to me that Lowry in particular is still like his elbow is still really messed up. He's shooting. He's been shot terribly every game. And you have to think if he was healthy and shooting normally, this wouldn't be as close as it is. But I mean, that the fact they were able to come back that game and the, the Raptors ha- at the they have this bench unit with Lowry at the beginning of the second, and fourth quarters that that is consistently kind of dominating the Pacers. That's something the Pacers, I think, need to need to figure out. The other thing is the Raptors kind of made the, um, the Pacers have been going with Mahimi and, and, and Miles Turner up front, which are two, two kind of super athletic guys. 
And the Raptors had been playing Willie Skola, which, I mean, great old man game, but he's not <laughs> he's not the athlete he may have once been. And they switched to starting Patrick Patterson, um, which which got them off. They, they got to a slow start, but they I think that's much more of a competitive lineup for them. And it's so this is what is so interesting about the playoffs is the way that matchups and these switches matter. And you end up having starting lineups and lineups that you don't have during the regular season at all, just because you have to tailor your team to the opponent and it requires so much more of coaches than I think the the regular season coaching and playoff coaching are like two completely different skill Mm -hmm. sets. Yeah, just the fact that you're playing the same team and you can adjust things between games. Right. And some I mean, the Spurs are, do this all the time, right? Yep. The Spurs will start Ginobili or the Spart Diaw. Like they, they do that every playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, it's great. And you you have like kind of like a little taste of that at the regular season trying to, you know, I don't know how much, I guess they go back and look at tape and like figure out like what worked during the regular season for the games that you don't exactly remember. But it's neat. And the, I like that the games are actually, you know, it's a seven game series. So you have time to adjust the better team, is going to win the series usually unless something crazy happens, which of course we've seen already with injuries. But I, I like I like some of these going to seven games. Hopefully, yeah, these, these are great hope. The one that I thought was interesting on this lineup thing was Heat versus Hornets. So I, I watched this one a little closer just because um, my wife, like any good Taiwanese, is a huge Jeremy Lin fan, um, and he's been really good this series, um, especially the last couple of games. But the the Hornets and I have an extra interest. They started Frank Kaminsky, uh, University of Wisconsin Badger, led us to the Final Four two years in a row, including defeating the undefeated Kentucky. Wildcats. I have to get that in there. Um, And what's interesting about that is, I mean, Miami's was killing them on offense in the first two games, but Miami's weakness is three-point shooting generally. And they they had all these cuts to the basket and stuff like that. And basically, what's interesting about this is the Hornets responded by going big. They started basically two centers. I mean, Kaminsky's future is probably more of a power forward, but I mean, he's a center. They had Marvin Williams at the three, who's kind of more of a power forward. And then they had 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 Courtney Lee, who can play three at the two, and then Kemba Walker at the one, and then later they played with Wynn. But what, what I, the reason I found this interesting is, one, it worked, but two, it's just interesting that in today's NBA where everything's about going small and having these quick guys on the floor, like what actually worked in this series for Charlotte was going big. And I thought Charlotte was super impressive in both these games. You often see this, like one team looks dominant and the other team makes a some sort of fundamental change and it just completely flips. This is what happened in that OKC San Antonio series we talked about a few a few years ago. And I don't know. I, I think the I think the Hornets are going to win this series. Really? Yeah. So it's tied two two now. It is. But I mean, the pro- the problem with Miami. I mean, the the big problem with Miami is when once Hassan Whiteside leaves the game, they are helpless. I mean, hmm. they have uh, Amari Stoudemire coming in. They have who's uh, Udonis Haslam, who's been a great player, but I mean, he's he's old and and decrepit at this point and Charlotte is putting Kemba Walker or Jeremy Lin in pick and roll after pick and roll and and they're just killing them and if Whiteside gets in trouble or whenever he's out of the game Charlotte just has a huge advantage and and our dreams of the Cavs heat uh in my estimation are 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 on life support. Yeah. Of course, Miami may come back tonight and dominate. I'll be totally wrong. Yeah, I, this is, of all the series, this is the one I've watched the least. So I'll have to pay attention to game five and see how's, how's, how it's going. This this would be the first real upset um, 
if uh, I mean they had the tied for the se- <laughs> the records in the season, so I guess is it an upset? I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. It's it, it's a good one. And I think the game five is going to be interesting. So I think this other series, probably the, the other series that's going on, is is Hawks Celtics. To me, the Hawks seem pretty clearly the better team. I mean, Boston won won the games in Boston, but um, I mean, Atlanta's Atlanta's good. Yeah. I mean, they got a good defense. They got a, a good offense, and they're going to be a tough a tough matchup, I think, for the Cavs, presuming they do win the series. Yeah, I, I think I agree. And they really like last. I think it was last night's game. They just started hitting threes late in the game, and oh, they, they were would. down like ten points. And then they just they just came yeah. back and just dominated. The game was over, you know, after like the third quarter. I think in that game, Isaiah Thomas he had a handful of points, but nothing like the forty point game he had a few days ago. There was a great article uh, in Players Tribune that Isaiah Thomas wrote uh, right before the playoffs started about when he was in uh, Phoenix and he's like on the bus, like uh, about to go to the airport with the team. And it's like the trade deadline and he gets word that he's been traded to Boston. And it's it's a really fun article. I just read it a couple weeks ago when it came out. And because it's like, he says that like the older Isaiah Thomas, the hall of famer, Isaiah Thomas like texted him or something and said like, you're going to, you know, love Boston. They're going to love you. They're going to, you know, make you a hero. Uh, And so you could see glimpses of that. Uh, in some of these playoff games, but not the last one. No, for sure. And the, the 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 takeaway I have from Boston is I think the games they won, um, Marcus Smart was hitting three pointers. And if you look at his stats for the year, that's that's a tough thing to base your success on. <laughs> um, it, the way he came in and shut down Millsap was super impressive. But um, but yeah, I, I think Atlanta. I, I think Atlanta is going to win the is going to close it out. Um, in, in Boston, and if they don't, I definitely think they'll they'll close it out in Game Seven at home. Well, uh, lots of off the court news uh, we can run through run through quickly. To me, the most interesting thing that's happened has been um, the Timberwolves hiring Tom Thibodeau, which terrifies me <laughs> because uh, I think Thibodeau is a great coach. Obviously, he has a you know he, there's he has a reputation for overplaying his players, but hopefully, a year off gave him perspective of, about that. But I mean. He developed all the, those players on the Bulls. He was hugely responsible for Boston's victory. He's got a long and storied and well-chronicled history in the NBA. And this Timberwolves team, I mean, you saw what they could be in that upset of Golden State at the end of the year. I mean, yeah. Carl Anthony Towns is is awesome. I mean, he's like, you can see him in the future basically being a Draymond, Draymond Green type player, hmm. but better because he can guard one through five. The way he corralled Curry that game was was incredible. But he's bigger and stronger and more athletic than than Draymond Green. And his offensive game is already so polished. I mean, and then, then you add on Wiggins and and yeah. and I thought Levine after the All Star break was awesome. Like he became this amazing three point shooter. Like they tried to make they kept trying to make him a point guard, and he's a shooting guard. He's not a point guard. He's a guy that needs to spot up on the wing and drain three-pointers, and cut and dunk like a madman. Yes. <laughs> Watching him dunk is, is fun. I know, and I hope they keep Rubio. I think Rubio is actually a great a great point guard for them. I mean, that team, I, I think that, I, I think Golden State, if Curry is able to come back, I think they'll win. Uh, they have a chance to win again next year. Obviously, it's hard, it's hard to three-peat. But I can totally see the Timberwolves hmm. in three years or so being the team that knocks them off. So that's what I was going to ask you is how long do you think it will take? So like this year they had 29 wins. Like, do you think 
I mean, they, and they had those kind of like a couple games where like, wow, this, the, these players are great. They could really be something down the road, but like, where's down the road? Like next year, how fast do you think they could? I think they make up? the playoffs next year. Okay. I think that, and I mean, the, the obvious comparison is kind of OKC, you know, like eight, 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 eight nine years ago, mm-hmm. the way that Towns was really putting it together by the end of the year. I mean, I mean, I know his real plus minus is what wasn't great, but he's on a bad team, and I, I think the guy's special, and he's special because he's special on both sides of the ball. And man, there, I think they make the playoffs next year, and then the year after that, they're a top four seed, and from then on, they're 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 a contender. I, I think it's going to be closer than people think. Nice, that'll be fun to watch. So, does I haven't looked at the contract? Does Kevin Garnett stick around as like the? veteran that can kind I of think, help him. I mean, it's up, it's up to him. I mean, he uh, he obviously knows Thibodeau from the Celtics days, so I suspect he will. Uh-huh. And there was a great article about how Garnett, uh, it was about Carl Anthony Towns, but about how, basically about how Flip Saunders changed his mind on him because Sa- Saunders originally was going to draft Okafer and then how brought Garnett in and basically describing how in many respects Towns is a less insane Garnett clone, but how he's like a gym rat and he's super dedicated and he's working super hard. And I read that article and it came out only a few days after they had beaten the Warriors. And like, I read that article. I'm like, this is the most petrifying article I've ever read because (laughs) if, if this guy is actually this dedicated and serious as this article is making him out to be, and you combine it with his, 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 the skills he's already demonstrating as a rookie, like, I mean, the sky is the limit for sure. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So there's other coaching uh, kind of changes, rumors possible. It's, it feels weird that this is all happening right in the middle of so much else in the playoffs. But yeah, these guys have to get a job. They do. I mean, Brooks to Washington, yeah, at whatever. Well, is, is Durant going to be swayed by that at all? It seems like some people speculate that, but you were all last week on Celtics. Need to get Durant. Oh, uh, why? He should go to the Celtics. I don't think. I don't think he'll go to Washington. I mean, from a basketball standpoint, I'd rather stay in OKC. I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, Wall's a great player, but um, Westbrook is. I mean, Westbrook's better. Yeah. Does he want to go home? Probably. I mean, probably not. I, I would. I, I don't know. Hmm. We'll see. And it's not like it's not like he raised a big fit or put up a big defense for for Brooks re- last year. So hmm. I don't know. I, I mean, the other probably interesting one just because of the team is the Lakers. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, Byron Scott was was a disaster, at least in my estimation, particularly him developing the young guys. But you have this whole front office spat, like, you know, is Bus on the is Jimmy Bus on the rope by Genie Bus, who is his boss, and there's this weird dynamic. And do they want Phil Jackson, which is be stupid because he hasn't done anything uh, as a front office executive, to be clear. Uh, and <laughs> what coach wants to go there into that environment? At the same time, it's the Lakers. Yeah. They do have a young core. Um, I, I don't have any perspective other than that. I thought Byron Scott was a terrible coach. That And, and I'm totally biased because I had D'Angelo Russell on my fantasy basketball team. And I, when he would sit and not start, it hmm. really irked me. I mean, how much do you think because Kobe was there? Like I almost, I mean, maybe. I, right. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like how much control do you have over that team? I don't know. Especially this year. Yeah, I mean, it, well, exactly. I mean, they gave the guy $30 million. And in some respects, this is the weird thing with the Lakers. You could look at the situation without knowing anything and argue they actually played the last two seasons perfectly. Like, they gave Kobe his ride out the door. They got a number two pick last year. They 
likely preserve their pick for this year. It's going to come down to the lottery balls. I think they have like 55% or 60% chance of keeping it. And presuming they keep their pick this year, they got a number seven pick, um, which is the, uh, the, the Kentucky guy at at forward name, name is escaping me. They got D'Angelo Russell, who I think has looked really good. I mean, not really good at Snapchat, but good at basketball. And then they have, and if they get another top player, and in the meantime, they got the money train that was Kobe and gave him this great send-off. And as we talked about last week, had this amazing last game that made us all feel great about it. They arguably have done like one of the sneakiest best tank jobs ever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you really think it was purposeful? I don't know, or? but they're That's the Lakers. They, 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 the Lakers fall ass backwards into good luck all the time. So, yeah. I, I mean, who knows if it was on purpose or not, but you, you could. there's definitely a story you can tell about their last few seasons that they're act, they actually went as well as they possibly could have. Hmm. Interesting. So, the rumors, of course, are Luke Walton from Golden State, who had unbelievable uh, first 40 games or whatever. Um, and then I just saw Messina from the Spurs thrown yeah, around as a name, which yeah. what I don't know. I, just, <laughs> I think I think they're going to throw a ton of money at Walton. Yeah, like I, I think that I mean he's he is a Laker. Uh, you know he has all that going on. Yeah, I don't know if Walton will take it. I mean he's got a pretty sweet gig now. He's going to be an attractive candidate for the next multiple years. Mm-hmm. That said, I mean I, I think the Los Angeles situation isn't terrible, right? They got a couple of, of, of nice young players. If presuming they keep their pick, uh, you know, again, the front office situation is kind of the key variable here. But if you walk in there and you bring this team back to prominence, like you're a, you're, you're a legend, right? That's, that's what happens when you're at the Lakers. If you're at the Lakers and you succeed, you are a legend. And Luke Walton knows that. Uh, So I think they throw a ton of money at him, and we'll see. He, He'll probably take it, but I could totally understand if he turns it down. And it's like he had a kind of a taste of head coaching for so long. Right. Well, I, yeah, I don't know. And is that how much he's like, oh, I really want to be doing this or how much he wants to stay with an amazing team a little longer? Yeah. We'll see. I mean, it, we'll, we'll see. I mean, the, I think Thibodeau snapped up kind of the best opportunity on the market. I mean, the, the best opportunity on the market last year is probably New Orleans uh, just because Anthony Davis, but obviously that didn't turn out too well. Whoops. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Dave, I, you know, it's Davis. I, I don't know. If, can he say healthy? I mean, he's that's it's not getting injured is a skill that matters in the NBA. Um, and yeah, Thibodeau snatched up the best job this year. We'll see. We'll see what happens um, going forward. Cool. Well, it's a lot of more round one games. Uh, going to wrap up over the next few days. Round two starting this weekend. It's going to be good. It is. The Spurs Thunder cannot wait. I think we will have a couple games in the bag by the time we talk next, which will be very exciting. I'll either be crying uh, <laughs> on the podcast or really happy. Yeah, so I think this will probably become the Spurs Thunder podcast for the, for the, for the, for the next couple of weeks, to say, to say the least, and deservedly so. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a great matchup. And like either one of those teams now, because of the way everything's shaken up, it's like either one of those teams could make it. Absolutely. I mean, because even if Curry comes back, like we already saw last game, he's going to be rusty and mm-hmm. there's going to be a chance to, to steal. Like you steal game one or two in, in Oracle, then you just win out at home and boom, there you go. Yep. Sounds easy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, we'll get this up as soon as we can. Uh, hopefully our predictions aren't hopefully aren't, aren't terribly off by the time we do. But uh, it's good talking to you, Manton. And, and thanks for everyone who's subscribed. And I'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody.
We'll talk to you next time. All right, bye-bye.